If you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn with me to Isaiah chapter 42, I'll be reading Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the Cossans wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols." Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. I suspect that uh, some of the teenagers and children who are here today are hoping for a smartphone for Christmas. So let me tell you a story about a time before phones became smart. In the early 1890s, uh, three French artists were talking together about the technological miracle that had set the city abuzz, the telephone. One of those artists was the famous Impressionist artist Renoir. And one of the artists who did not yet have a phone said to another artist who did have a phone, so when the bell rings... You get up and answer it? Why, yes, certainly, said the artist with a phone. I see, said the man without a phone, just like a servant. Now, I think this man without a phone was onto something here. People had become servants of something, a phone in this case, which was supposed to serve people. If this was true of a dumb phone... It is certainly true about smartphones, is it not? How many times have you had a conversation interrupted because of someone's phone buzzing or dinging or ringing? We have become servants, if not slaves, to our phones. In some cases, it seems like the only way to get people to put their phones down is to have them surgically removed from their hands. So as much as people love their bright and shiny phones, most people know that a a human being is more important than a phone. At least I think most people know that's the case. If they had to choose between a, a human being that they loved and a phone, they would choose the human being. Sometimes, though, we get confused. Our priorities and our values can become mixed up. In Isaiah chapter 42, the prophet Isaiah lets the people of Israel know that there is something better than the idols that they have been worshiping. 
Isaiah will say that God's servant, spoken about in Isaiah 42 and verse 1, is better than any idol. Now, who is this servant of God? We will see that the servant is Jesus. He is better than any idol that we might worship. Jesus is greater. Well, you might ask, well, how is Jesus better? So let's remind ourselves then in this Christmas season of some reasons why Jesus is better than anything else than you might worship. Jesus is better because he brings God's truth to the world. Notice the first word in Isaiah chapter 42. It's the word, behold. Now, this is not a word that you hear used frequently outside of the Bible, the word, behold. So what does behold mean? It means, look at this. Or you could say it means, check this out. God's behold to his people is in response to another behold at the end of Isaiah 41. In Isaiah 41, in verse 29, God speaks about the idols that the people of Israel have been worshiping. We read there, Behold, they are a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. In contrast to these idols that are a bunch of nothing, God says, Behold, look at this. Check this out. Look at my servant. Now he is really something. While the idols are a, a delusion, a lie, the servant brings God's truth to the nations. Three times in verses 1 through 4, we read about the servant bringing justice to the nations. In verse 1, the servant will bring forth justice to the nations. In verse 3, the servant will faithfully bring forth justice. And in verse 4, we read that the servant will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. Now, normally, when we think about justice, we think about fairness or God perhaps bringing equality to the people of the earth. And that is certainly true. Jesus does do that. He is just in that sense. But in Isaiah chapter 42, the word justice actually has more to do with the concept of truth. We see in verse 4 that justice is a synonym for God's law. He will not faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. The law in the Bible is the place where we read God's teaching for his people. The law is the revelation of God. It is God's truth. And so when he talks about bringing justice, what we are reading about then is God bringing his truth to the nations. The mission of the servant is to bring forth justice in the sense of making the truth about the Lord, Israel's God, known to all peoples on earth. The servant brings forth justice to the nations, according to verse 1. He makes God's truth and God's plans known not just to Israel, but even to Gentiles, non-Jews, who did not know God. The Gentiles were in a hopeless state because they did not even know the truth. And so the servant comes to bring God's truth to all peoples. But how do we know that the servant is Jesus? 
Listen as I read verse 1. In verse 1, we read, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Now remember these words from Isaiah 42 as we read about Jesus and how he is described at his baptism in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let's read together out loud from Matthew chapter 3. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so at his baptism, the Spirit of God descended like a dove and came to rest on Jesus, just like God put his Spirit on his servant in Isaiah chapter 42. And God announced to the people at Jesus' baptism that with him, with Jesus, I am well pleased. Just like he said about his servant in Isaiah 42, in him my soul delights. Jesus and the servant are one and the same. They both bring God's truth to the nations. Over the past few weeks, I have been watching a TV miniseries about Chernobyl, the place where a nuclear power plant exploded in 1986 and spread nuclear contamination throughout most of Europe. Radioactive contamination spread to such a degree that they had to evacuate from within 20 miles of the place of the nuclear power plant. It was too dangerous for people to live there. But right after the accident, a nuclear engineer who was sent to help at the power plant, he was asked at the hotel by the people there, by some guests there, do we have anything to be worried about? He thought for a while, and then he said no. He lied. He did not want people in the community to be afraid and to spread a panic, and so he lied. This was the first in several lies that the Soviet government spread about the accident. Can you imagine being lied to like this? This is not a, a small lie. This is a lie that could have cost people their lives. And this is the type of lie that idols speak to us all the time. Idols consistently tell lies to us. They, do lie, they speak lies that do us harm. They tell us that there is nothing to worry about, when in reality, there is much to worry about if we are lied to. But Jesus is better than idols. He tells us God's truth. Jesus doesn't want to harm us. He wants to save us instead. And so Jesus always tells us the truth. We also see that Jesus is, as the servant of the Lord, better than the leaders of our world. He's better than those who would lie to us. Verse 2 also says that Jesus will not cry aloud or lift up his voice. He is gentle, not overbearing. 
And verse 3 says that a, a bruised reed he will not break. Jesus doesn't break those who are already broken. Instead, he heals them. And he wants to heal you today. He will heal all those who have faith in him. He heals by the power of the Holy Spirit and by speaking the truth. So God's answer to the oppressors of the world is not more oppression. His answer to the arrogant is not more arrogance. His answer is better. His answer is his servant. His answer is Jesus. In quietness, humility, and simplicity, Jesus will take all of the evil that exists in this world into himself. And from him, he will give us back only grace and mercy. Jesus speaks the truth to us in love. Jesus is better not only because he speaks the truth, but he's also better because he is the promise of a relationship with God. The reason that God had to encourage Israel to behold the servant was because their eyes were firmly fixed on idols in this world. That's who they loved. They loved false gods rather than the one true God. In the previous chapter of Isaiah, God had called Israel in Isaiah 41 and verse 8, My servant, Israel, my servant. Israel was supposed to serve God by loving God with all their hearts, by obeying God's commands. That's what they were supposed to do. As Israel loved and obeyed God, they would show to the world that our God is better than any other idol. But Israel failed. They disobeyed God over and over and over again. They were not a very good servant of God. And so that's why God was sending Jesus. Jesus would be the servant that Israel was supposed to be, but was not. Je Jesus would be God's perfect servant. He would not only obey God perfectly, but he also would be faithful to God, always in maintaining a loving relationship with him. Believe it or not, it is a loving relationship with you that God really desires more than anything else. You might ask, well, why? Why would God want a relationship with little old me? Why would he want that? Look at verse 5 of Isaiah 42. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. What do we learn here? We learn that God, the real God, created you. And if he made you, he loves you. How could God forget you if he is your creator, which he is? If you are a parent here today, what did you feel for your child the moment your child was born? You loved your baby. You didn't know anything about this child, but your heart was tied up in this child because this child was your creation. 
God feels the same way. But as your child grows up, she starts to learn how to talk. And what is the third word that your child usually learns to say? The first two words your child learns to say are usually mama and dada. But then your little angel starts to look like this picture I brought this morning. And so the the third word that your child typically learns how to say is no. She learns how to break her relationship with her parents. She learns how to rebel. And if she learns how to rebel really well, eventually she can even break her parents' hearts. This is what Israel had done to God. Israel loved her idols more than God. And after a while, Israel must have wondered, after all of my rebellion and sin, is it possible that God could still love me? If you are asking yourself that question this morning, look at what God says about his servant Jesus in the middle of verse 6. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind. To bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. What does God call Jesus? A covenant. Now, what is a covenant? A covenant is a binding promise. Marriage is a covenant. It's a promise. And what do people promise in marriage? They promise to be faithful in their love for one another no matter what. I will love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. The couple promises then to love each other no matter what the circumstances in their lives. And Jesus is that kind of promise. Jesus is God's promise to take and keep a people who will be his own, his own possession. Jesus then is better than gods who are fickle in their love. Jesus loves you and forgives you no matter what your rebellion has been in the past. If you confess your sins to Jesus and turn back to him, Jesus will freely forgive and restore you to a right relationship with God. What could be better than that? What could be better than a loving relationship with the God who made you and who loves you? That is what Jesus does for all of his children. Through Jesus, all of God's purposes for this world are realized in bringing us into a loving relationship with God. Jesus opens eyes that are blind, eyes that have been focused on their idols. He frees captives. He releases those who are in darkness. Jesus, the servant, undoes all of the horrendous and degrading effects that sin and rebellion have had on you. Jesus is the promise of God that he will restore people to their true dignity, and to their true freedom as sons and daughters of God. 
Jesus shows us then that a, a loving relationship with God is still possible even though we have rebelled. A loving relationship with God is so much better than any kind of relationship with an idol. God is full of mercy and grace in Jesus. Idols are demanding slave drivers. There is no grace in any idol you might worship. Some of you have perhaps heard the story of an Australian model named Asina O'Neill, who made an idol out of her Instagram account. In three years, this model, Asina O'Neill, had built a following of half a million fans on her account. But one day in 2015, she just decided to up and quit. She quit cold turkey. She just sent out a message saying she would no longer post on Instagram. Why? Why would she do that? Why would she quit something that she had worked so hard at? Because in spite of her huge number of fans, she asked herself, why do I feel so lost, lonely, and miserable? Just before she had given up on her idol of Instagram, she decided to edit the caption on some of the pictures that she had taken. And so she decided to edit the caption on her picture that had received the most responses from her fans. And this is what she wrote. She wrote, please like this photo. I put on makeup, curled my hair, tight dress, big uncomfortable jewelry took over 50 shots until I got one that I thought you might like. Then I edited this one selfie for ages on several apps just so I could feel some social approval from you. And then she put in all caps, there is nothing real about this photo. This model was a slave to her idol. And her idol almost consumed her. Jesus is better than an idol. Jesus will always love you, even when you sin and fail him. Jesus is better also because he is bringing those who love him into a glorious future. The glory of God is seen in verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. There is no God but the Lord. All other gods or idols are simply pieces of metal and glass and plastic. These idols have no real power to help you. They are nothing. So God is a jealous God. He is jealous for those he has made for their love. He wants us to worship him and him alone rather than an idol that can do nothing for you. God alone is powerful, glorious, beautiful. How powerful is our God? In verse 9, we read that God is in complete control not only of the past, but also of the future. We read, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare, 
Before they spring forth, I tell you. Now, the former things that God is referring to here in Isaiah 42 has to do with previous prophecies that he had made about someone who would come, who would deliver the people of Israel from their captors. And that man's name turned out to be Cyrus. God was sending a deliverer for Israel. And so it was good news for Israel that they would no longer be under the thumb of their foreign captors. Now, most of the people of Israel would say, that's our biggest problem. We are, we are underneath this, this captor. We are a captive nation, and that's the biggest problem we have as the nation of Israel. Indeed, that, that was a big problem, but it was not too big of a problem for God. God would deliver Israel from their captors. The thing is, though, God would say to the people of Israel, this, this isn't your biggest problem, actually. And God would also say to us, what is your biggest problem? What do you think your biggest problem is? The biggest problem that we have is we need someone who can heal our broken relationship with God. That is everyone's biggest problem in the world. We have a broken relationship with God that needs to be healed. And it is Jesus, the servant of God, who heals that broken relationship. He was born into our world on Christmas Day. He would live the perfect life that we could not and have not lived. He would live that life in obedience to God. And then he would die on the cross for our sins. Jesus would die the death we should have died to pay the debt that we owe to God. And if we have faith that Christ died for us, we will be forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God. This is the glory that Jesus would bring to us in the future. The new things that God is talking about in Isaiah 42. But this is not the only new thing that Jesus would do in the future. There is still work for God to do through Jesus Christ, even in our future today. I'd like for us to read out loud together God's promise in Isaiah 65, verses 17 and 18. Let's read together. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. So what will happen even in our future because Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected to eternal life. The entire creation is going to be restored to its original beauty and glory. It will be so glorious for us who love Jesus that it's like we're not even going to be able to remember all of the pain and the suffering that we endured on this earth. It will be a world of total joy and complete gladness. No idol can bring us to that kind of a world. They can't do that. Only Jesus can, and he will. Some of you who are skeptical might have doubts about Jesus bringing in this kind of a world of total joy 
and complete gladness. But let me tell you about what some skeptics learned in the past. In the past, skeptics used to doubt that the book of Isaiah was written before Jesus was born. They looked at all the prophecies in the book that were perfectly fulfilled in Jesus, and they said, come on, no one could write prophecies like this and be that accurate about the future. This book must have been written after Jesus was born. But then in 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in Israel. And one of those scrolls was a, a complete scroll of the book of Isaiah. When the scroll was scientifically tested to see how old the scroll was, it dated back to 100 years before Jesus was born. So what does that tell you? It tells you that God and Jesus are glorious. Not only have they been in control of the past, they are also in control of our future today. And they are bringing those who love Jesus into a glorious future of nothing but joy. And so if you think that you have seen glory in this world, let me tell you, if you are a Christian, you ain't seen nothing yet. Glory is coming so church, let me remind you in this Christmas season, Jesus is better than any idol. Nothing compares to Jesus. Jesus is better because he brings God's truth. He's better because he is the promise of a relationship with God. And he's better because he and he alone brings God's glorious future into being. So prepare room in your heart this Christmas season for Jesus. Worship him and him alone. For Jesus is better than all other gods. Jesus is better than all idols. Let's pray together. Jesus, how great you are. We are so grateful that you have come into this world to tell us the truth. We hear so many lies in this world, and yet you are a, a truth-teller, and only a truth-teller, and we thank you for that. Thank you also that you are the promise of a relationship with God. We have broken our relationship with God through our sin and rebellion, and yet, Jesus, you came to tell us that forgiveness is possible, grace and mercy are possible through you. Thank you. And thank you also, Jesus, that you bring to us the hope of a glorious future. You are able to bring this future about because you are powerful and because of your great love for your people. Jesus, we are so grateful for you. Help us to always remember that there is no one and nothing better than you. In your name we pray. Amen.